This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. I'm Rich Shane. She's Tiffany Berrier. And this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. Tiffany, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Rich. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm humbled. I'm grateful. I'll tell you that right now. I mentioned as we started to talk before I hit record how excited I am and I can't wait to speak to you. You are the kind of human being that leaves such an impression when not only your energy is in the room and people know you're there, but they don't know what that energy is until they meet you. So that's part of my excitement today. We met at CiderCon 2020 in Richmond, Virginia. and you led the discussion about history and cocktails, 400 years of cocktail history, as I recall. What was CiderCon like for you? What were the experiences that you had? You know, I, I uh, thank you for the compliment. Wow, energy. Hope we, hopefully we talk about that because uh, energy is weird. We use that word often and people don't really know what that is. So thank you for that. Uh, CiderCon. I'm still on a high from that. That was like one of the most educated conferences I've been to in a while. Of course, the thing happened where we weren't out and about for a couple of years, but this is that what we're calling it the thing? Like we're just sweeping it it under the rug. Yeah, I don't say I don't (laughs) say the word. So (laughs) my friends and I, we say every P word you can think of: Panini Press, Panorama, uh, the Panty, whatever. You just call it a P thing instead of the pandemic. Okay, you just. Uh, (laughs) All right, we haven't been out and about. We're at CiderCon. I was so thirsty for the knowledge to see a part of my liquid industry that I'd never learned about. I mean, you know, beer, wine, spirits, people leave outsiders. So I was just mind blown at these great conversations about one fruit, one fruit only. And that was the apple. I mean, of course, there were other fruits. But yeah, standing in that space. And I just I just learned so much about what I love, which is soil and land and agriculture and grafting of course and drinking so it was an outrageous for sure where i want to talk to you today within that cider con experience is 
how captivating your discussion was for me because I love history. And as I get more into the spirits fermented adventure side of things, history becomes even more valuable because with the history, it makes that experience so much better. And I've gotten to the point where I share with people and my take is, yes, you can go to that store and you can buy that bottle and you can show it off on social media and say, did I get a good deal? Is this good? But there's no connection other than the liquor store. And that's okay. But once you learn the history of where that bottle comes from, the history of why that spirit or whatever is in that bottle is produced, then that that you're drinking means so much more, right? Yep. Now That's the excitement. You captivated me with your discussion of history. And that was one of the things that I said, wow, I, I, I thirst for more. The story that you're telling is one that is so valuable that I believe people need to hear more of. Because where you took that is you intertwined the Black experience, the African-American Black history experience. Talk a little bit about that for you and, you know, share, you know, some of those people that have impacted you that you feel important to tell their story. Yeah, there's so many untold stories. Uh, you were at the class. It's, you know, fortunately that, you know, there's, there's this thing called slavery happening um, for a really long time when America's being built. And so that human, that Black African-American human, sometimes doesn't even have a name. So archiving those stories and like reading about them and researching, they get me excited because we still drink and um, use technique and even products that um, the African-American community, while they were enslaved, helped to put out here. Um, on the liquid side, we've got Arnaud Peychaud and Tom Bullock. We've got John Dabney, Cato Alexander. Um, the list kind of keeps coming. I keep, I keep my head down in the books and on the Google uh, and in libraries when I can, uh, when they're open. I mean, research to find these names because no one documented these names while they were the help. Uh, so it's been sad, but happy. It's like digging and digging. This is a whole new uh, lane of rabbit hole for me because you may find a certain product or technique or even a cocktail and you're wondering who made it. In the liquid world, we didn't really document recipes and stuff like that. We just made it, unlike chefs who wrote recipes down. And so being able to find out who those names were and knowing that the majority of them were enslaved and um, working for someone, um, it's it's thriving for me. It really is. It's There's a bit of healing out of it. There's not much anger because it's over. I mean, I sense that. I sense that 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 resonates so much. The, the healing. Uh, and I think there's a sense in a way of pride yeah. because of so much that comes out of this. It's almost like that. I have conversations about people about that P word, but there's a lot of good that's come out of what we've experienced. Yes. And yes, has it been hard? Has it been frustrating? Has it been all those things? But like you said, I mean, look at these human beings. And I love the way, you know, these humans, human beings, as you characterize, because that's so important. You you listed off a couple of names and, and they shouldn't be, you know, just, just because you kind of listed them, now people should go back and learn more about them. You know, the, the, the history of, of, of the impact and, and what it meant. Yeah, those are the big names. Like those names I listed, anyone listening will go, oh yeah, I've heard that one and that one. It's kind of like listing the top 
presidents or the top, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, John, you just, you, you kind of just throw out a main name. But you think about my culture and how we have been enslaved and, and we've been the help. I can ask pretty much any African-American, was anyone in your family a sharecropper or uh, uh, worked in the fields? And they're going to say, yeah. So I try to encourage them to say, hey, could you just like tell me their name? Because they did something. They worked for someone. Right. They assisted in some kind of production. Um, and it does come through a healing, Rich. I, I have always enjoyed the space. Unfortunately, when you are Black and you're reading about Black history in America, you do get a little like, uh, annoyed and you get um, lost and you get sad. Um, and when the, the thing happens, <laughs> the thing happened, uh, that pandemic really shook everyone up. And as sad as I was in this Scotia like depression, I thought I was going to get into like, I can't get out. Where's my energy going to go? Where am I? You know, all these questions. It, I kept it thinking. blew up on a screen. It just, <laughs> it just, I, I, I was trapped in this house with all of this liquor. <laughs> and hard, hard situation to live through. Yeah, it's so tough. Um, but then another movement happened in our community and, 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 and watching that on television and watching the world uh, react to that during a pandemic was as angry and frustrated and sad as I was. I, I took a time to say someone had it worse than me, not legit like right now, but like literally my ancestors had it worse. I'm sitting here with Wi-Fi and ice cubes and, you know, my ceiling fan going on complaining. And I'm thinking my ancestors, like, honestly, created way better things with less and less respect. Let's call their names. Let's research it. Let's raise a glass to it. I want to also touch on the fact that so. All right. As as a, a white man in this country and growing up, I think what irritates me from a standpoint is there was no there was no discussion. There was no learning the history. OK, so now we learn the history. But who do we learn? Well, there, we learn Martin Luther King. We learn Malcolm X. We, we learn, you know, in some ways, Jefferson Davis and, and those contributors to the experience. But I, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we don't learn and what you're imparting, especially with what interests me is about the spirits and cocktail. You're, you're filling in you're filling in the blanks because the, the, the small names, the understated names, when you learn that history, when you kind of you take the big rocks. Right. But then you fill in the smaller pebbles. You're discovering the smaller pebbles, but without the smaller pebbles and the sand underneath, those big rocks can't stand either. And and that when, when you like had this whole discussion and named three people and I'm like, why don't I know who these people are? And now I need to know more about these people. <laughs> that was that touched me. That really did. And then you got into talking about, you know, history of cocktails. And I'm surprised to know that while you've been serving cider cocktails, that this is something that you're now thirsting as a pun to learn more about and you're learning more about cider and you really, you know, the cider con was a, that I wouldn't have thought that that was the same experience that you had. Yeah, it was the creators of cider con. Um, actually I, I met them years ago um, as I was going down history lane and talking about the things that I did, but I really honestly left out cider for a quick moment because cider was blending in with beer and so brewing was just mixing. And I just honestly, I like a lot of us, put cider on the side, just put it on the side there and thought, yeah, it's good, but I want something else. And as humans, 
we've always wanted something a little stronger. We just recently got into this, you know, wait a minute, have a balanced style of drinking. Um, that's not water or, you know, a soft drink full of sugar, coffee and tea. So yeah, I, I, I love learning, but I never really connected before two years ago. Actually, I knew about the slave trade and all of those things, but I really took away the fruit and, that fruit, man, it just, it makes me so happy. I smile so hard when I think about an apple. <laughs> They're so amazing. And to know that it's one of the hardest grafted fruit trees in the world, um, yet has all of other, it. Other than the pecan. <laughs> other than the pecan. Other than the pecan, which we know. And tomatoes are fruit too. So we can throw that out there, but that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. The drink coach. How did you get the name the drink coach? Was that given to you? Was that self-proclaimed? How was it? It was totally given to me. Um, uh, a woman named Dana Brutus, who I love so much. She was, just, we worked together and she's a server and she would wait, you know, for the my cocktails on the side while I did my thing to the bar. And she would ask me every time, why do you like, when you give your guests a drink, you hit them with these bullet points. Like you just, it's like, you're like riding alongside of them with the drink. You're like, I made it with this because of this and boom. And you're like drinking the drink with them. Your verbiage is so juicy. And she's like, it's like, you're coaching them as you place it down. And, you know, we laughed about it. And she said, you're like the drinking coach. And we laughed about it. This is before Instagram. This is before, this is right when Facebook comes out, which is like, what, 08, 09. And uh, she was just a friend and fan of mine. And I was not looking at bartending as this independent brand kind of thing. I was still looking at it as a career and a culinarian. And, you know, I was just bartending. I was kicking ass, but I was doing a great job at what I was doing. And she's like, you're a whole brand. Like people come to you. And when the social media thing happened, she's like, I want to like run your social media. And I'm like, I don't want one. Like, I, this is stupid. It's crazy. I feel exposed. And she's like, let's just like goof off. And I have a hard time. Video. I have a hard time seeing that there's a side of Tiffany that's <laughs> introverted. I really do. <laughs> but very, people say very that about me too. So I get it. I am very, very, very shy. All right. right. You, you started in a place about, you know, bartending wasn't a career choice for you. It wasn't where you had set out to go. Seven, 2007, you started at the bar of the year at the <laughs> airport, right? And so, I mean, we find ourselves in places that we didn't, the road is, we don't know where it's going to lead us. Yeah. What was it that gravitated you about cocktails bartending that at 2007, now this is 2022, you're, you're, you're an influencer, you're... Uh, a creator, you're an innovator. Where, where did all that, what flip, what switch flipped? Um, we opened in, well, I had been bartending since the end of high school. You know, you get out of high school, you're getting ready to go to college, go get a job. Bartending was the thing that I wanted to do. It was easy. It came natural. I came from a drinking family. I knew how to serve. I'm polite. I actually like people. Let's go work at a restaurant. Easy. Um, and I worked in a restaurant and the entire time I would have a great time. It was making great money and meeting great people, but I would always get asked the question. So what else do you do? So like, what, what else do you do? And I would 
That's an interesting question, right? What else? I would go like, well, crap, what else do I do? Because I thought I was doing what I thought I was. And so society had me thinking bartending was not a real job or I had too much of of something to be bartending. And so I um, sought out a friend of mine. We saw the link for One Flew South. We opened in 2008. I got there. I saw a lot of people that looked just like me, talking like me, acting like me, focused on history and culture like me. And uh, work came really easy at that point. It was like, this isn't just a regular, this hasn't been my normal bar job. Before One Flew South, I only had three jobs ever. I had only worked at two and a half bars, we'll call it, like two and a half. So I really didn't like I I thought when I once I got there, I thought, whoa, like this is a real job. I'm taking it, I'm always taking it serious, but I'm taking this to like full fruition. Like this is my heart, my body, my soul, my creativity. It was received. My bosses gave me free range. My guests were so into me, my creativity. I could serve anything. And guests were like, yes. And I'm like, this is a thing. And I knew like there's levels to everything. And I knew at that point, this is. This impact, this service industry, this fact that I can be an artist and be myself, there's no turning back. I've really been doing what I love my entire life. And then I cut all my hair off. Oh, and, me too. Uh, I get it. I know. <laughs> I cut all my hair off. Well, at least you didn't I, cut your ear off. I mean, you know. You, no, you... I kept these. I kept those, <laughs> kept those ears. But I cut my hair off. One, because the main reason was because I found, I always wanted to cut my hair off. You know, it's kind of edgy. It's cool. I thought it was really neat when women had a nice cool buzz cut and I always wanted to do it, but I thought, when will I ever do that? You know, <laughs> when will I ever be comfortable enough to be like, yeah, I cut my hair off and, and walk out in this world and working at that bar and understanding my position and my joy, what I can go to sleep at night and be so happy with was tending bar at such a level. And um, I became more of myself and I just grew up a little more. The cocktails that you've created, the experiences that you've imparted, you've matured through that experience. As you said, 2008, and I believe you're at One Flew South for seven years. And I, 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 get the, I get the impression you're still counseling with them or you're still connected in some way. Oh, yeah. We're, we dabble here. You're, and there. You're, you're there. We're forever family. But talk about, you know, the learning experience you know, for making cocktails, talk about, you know, where you've, where you matured from the beginning to where you, I'm not, not going to say where you are now, because I think there's been like, you know, you watch the space shuttle take off and the rockets and there are different levels that take you to different places. What was that, your trajectory like? What were those learning experiences like for, for those cocktails and making cocktails and that experience? Yeah, there's levels to everything. You know, when you're younger and you're making drinks, the ingredients you use seem kind of easy to come by. You think, you know, whatever's in a bottle, I should be making a drink out of. And when you get into a certain level of attending bar, especially if you have a great chef like I did, you get a chance to walk in the kitchen. You get a chance to consider grilling an ingredient before you juice it or making a syrup out of a, something savory versus sweet. You get a chance to really show off your culinary skills. Bartenders, have, I don't think, have always been considered culinary. Um, back in the, you know, back in the day, catering, involved bartending as well. That was the word. You weren't a show. You, you catered, you cooked, and you made a punch, you made a drink. But now bartending just set in its own lane for a very long time. But bartending and being recognized are put in a place 
where culinary is very respected. I mean, I can make wasabi ginger syrup if I want to today. I can go into like a whole, you know, mango salsa expression salt if I want. There were so many things that I was exposed to. And that's where my maturity came. The, The sky was literally and still is the limit when creating. There is no no in flavor and palettes are personal, but I just go in. And the more crazy, the more challenging, the better. You want to execute it. Do you think that's the next, I mean, do you, do you think that's the trend in cocktails? Do you think the more crazy, you're, you're knee deep in it. So where do you see the, if you were to say for 2022, maybe for the next 12 to 18 months, what's the craze? What's the cocktail? What's, what are people going to do? It's going to be all over the board. So back in the, when I was, when I was a kid, <laughs> like when, back in the day, yeah, like 12 ingredient cocktails were cool for me to sit here and explain Do you remember Poose Cafes? I mean, Absolutely. Who's, who's doing that? Why would Nobody. You? We don't have time for that. Right. We don't have. Right. 12 the, layers we don't have of that? The, we don't have the capacity for that. We're not in that era. So yes, said locations will be able to offer you that experience of a cocktail with these 12 ingredients and this cool glassware. We love that. I don't think that'll ever go away. That is true science, molecular. There's different parts of the world that are focused on molecular drinks, drinking styles. Right now, simplicity is where we're at. Talking about American cocktails, we want it basic, clean, good, and balanced. We also want low ABV right now. So we're just kind of blending in no, all of no the components. No disrespect for those people, but who are those people that want low ABV and why? <laughs> Is it because we came out of that thing that we have consumed <laughs> alcohol and now we want to kind of taper off? Is that what it is? There's a lot of reasons. I'm going to stay in my lane on that one. Okay. There's a lot of reasons. <laughs> and I... To each his own. That thing could have did it. Uh, mental health, of course, is a thing. Uh, your pockets, you know, what <laughs> you want to save a little money, make a little ABV, get your big bottle of something low proof. Um, but those people do your thing. I'm on the stirred and boozy side. I like it boozy. Whenever I'm not sipping, I'm sipping tea. Uh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really into, I can create them, but I don't really sip too many of them, but I can definitely create some great mocktails. So coming out, maybe some low ABV, any kind of styles, but what I'm hearing you say is it's like, let, let free reign go. I mean, that it's kind of in in the mindset of where we want to be today. So behind Mm -hmm. the bar, you're just letting all your energies, your creativity go now because you've been set loose because you get the people back in front of you again, as they come back in. And now you can just express yourself and be that rock star behind the bar. Yeah, people are, we are transparent these days, at least we're working on it. Um, honesty is cool, you know, and, and we're trying to be honest and be kind at the same time. That ha- That's happening at the bar. Be able to say what you want, not feel judged. Be able to ask for what you feel like you need and not feel, you know, less of or more of. Hey, if you want to do a couple shots tonight, it's okay. If you don't want to and you want to sip something else, it's okay. But there's no judgment here. In this space, we are as we're rehealing from the thing and just in general with society. We're not only the pandemic, but, you know, elections and movements. There's so many things we are healing from um, or trying to connect on. So, you know, the bar is a communal space. Why not be able to go to a bar and ask and be who you are? If... Tiffany was invited onto a chopped style TV show where you had to use the ingredients in a basket, or mm-hmm. you could bring your own secret ingredients to the bar to make that 
over the top wow cocktail. What would Tiffany bring as those, you know, I'm keeping this in my pocket. These are my secret ingredients for that cocktail. Or what would that cocktail be? Um, my secret ingredient is hibiscus flour. Okay. That was easy. I love the hibiscus flour dried or hibiscus tea for one, the color. Stupid bright red. Like it's more than ECI. You see red and you think, what the heck is that? And so it's it steeps like a tea. So I would definitely have the hibiscus flower and I'd put all kind of whatever else in that basket inside of it. But the color red would definitely represent a lot of boldness and flavor. We just picked up a hibiscus gin at Mermaid Spirits. Uh, they're in um, the, the, the name, of, they're in Willow Grove, Nisham. They're, they're near, near us. But uh, yeah, I, I, hibiscus gin. And there was a vendor that was offering hibiscus for those in the cider industry, I don't know if you saw them, but uh, if you had a chance, you could have picked up hibiscus there. I don't know. So oh, hibiscus, yeah. hibiscus is one of those things. But is there another secret flavor or secret ingredient or is there a secret spirit that you might go to? <laughs> there are. You just don't want to let them out you know, because you want to win the competition. You don't want anybody showing up with your ingredients. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I, my, my spirit of choice would be a tequila or a gin. Uh, tequila brings nothing but joy to people. No one is like, did you see tequila uh, is outselling, you know, whiskey right now? Yes. For two reasons though. For one whiskey, I age. Uh, we got to wait. So while we're waiting, we might as well sip some tequila. <laughs> gotcha. Tequila, tequila ages as well. But, you know, we, we do love it in three, you know, three or four sets. Blanco, Repo, Añejo, Extra. So we can go for a good Blanco. But tequila is a, it's a joyful spirit. It's always associated with joy and happiness. The Mexican culture does so well with it. It's delicious. And as I just said, it goes in three, almost four categories why not goof off with some tequila and bring some happiness? Okay, so would you gravitate also to bring mezcal into the picture as well? Or Absolutely, all because, things agave. All right, because here's the thing. I mean, sometimes people don't want that. If you're creating, your palate might not be the smoky, you know, discovery palate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you may, want, you may avoid peaty whiskeys and things of that nature. But uh, you're telling me mezcal would show up at the bar too, right? Yeah, mezcal's there. She's there to hang out with us. Mezcal also is... All right, I'm because checking the gender of mezcal next time I open up yeah, a bottle. She, she, <laughs> woman, mezcal's a woman. Hey, that's why I like uh, it. <laughs> smoky and delicious. Um, but because I like to be creative and do a little sneak attack, mezcal stands out instantly. It's like whiskey does. People will go, oh, 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 instantly. But if I don't tell you it's in there, then I've done a great job building my cocktail. If I start off by saying, here's a mezcal cocktail, I may lose lose you 50% of the way versus incorporating it. But even incorporating mezcal, like scotch or anything, PD, you pick it up instantly. And I like to sneak up on you. Wouldn't you say the same thing about absinthe in a way? Or, yes. Or some sort of a gastrique style spirit that, yeah, there's some flavors. profound flavors. Yeah. yeah. But if you said, I'm going to make you an abs, I'm just going to start with the basis of absence. It's like, uh, Everyone's people have, just... yeah. <laughs> people, but people do. They have that, you know, affliction or they've had that bad experience in some ways, you know, for, for different things. You, on your social media, you highlighted a book, Kindred Spirits. Talk about that a little bit. Oh, man. This is like legendary right now. Um, 
the Black Bar community is pretty close. And we are close because of what I said earlier when we started chatting, the history of the Black bartenders, you know, a bit washed out. And it's never been looked at as a real profession. First, bartending is never looked at, but the Black bartenders. So what 10 to 1 rum has done was collab to the one being a black owned rum company collab with uncle Neris. We know what Neris does. We know what Fawn's doing. Just uh, texted her this morning when a fun conversation, but um, they decided to say, you know what, forget us, you know, forget us. We make the bottle, but we're no better than who uses our product. And so they chose 28 amazing black bartenders across the nation gave us free range, make whatever you want. They wanted us to share our own stories as being a bartender of color or share something that you read from a past bartender. And so this collaboration started um, maybe six or seven months ago and we just received our bottles and books this week. And it's just, you know, there's a project that hits you, you get a deadline and you think you want to create and then you see where your project lands. And it's just, a, it just took passion to a whole nother level. Being documented is so important for our community. Um, and our industry. And so to see me alongside of eight other bartenders, the 28 other ones, eight being from Atlanta, all my friends, it's just magical. You don't see that enough. So it just really um, added to, to our, uh, our bookshelves. Where can people find the book if they want to order it and enjoy it for themselves? Rich, and learn a I lot don't, too. I don't I know. know. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, Rich. I actually, honestly, I, I can only be honest. Actually, we could make this a number one said, on Amazon tomorrow. But <laughs> I'm like, get this book out there. I, when I made the post, I was like, everyone's going to say, where can I get this right. book? So I'm going to send you guys to Ten to One's uh, <laughs> website and Instagram, and hopefully they can answer you. Also, that bottle. That bottle is the Ten to One Rum. Ten to One. I saw that. Whoa. Right. Yeah. Ten to One Rum. Barrel aged in an Uncle Nearest whiskey barrel. All right. So we don't know where to get the bottle. We don't know where to get the book, but somebody will let us know so we can we can take down their service, right? (laughs) Yes. Let me talk to you because you mentioned eight bartenders in Atlanta. What is it? I mean, you live there. I've been to Atlanta. I love Atlanta, but I did not understand what you're telling me now is wow, there's such an amazing cocktail scene. I need to get back. But what is it about Atlanta? That, that provides this huge cocktail mecca? Um, we're the South, so we kill everybody in hospitality. Like, <laughs> okay. come on. All these great cities, Chicago, New York, D.C., L.A., yes, we know you all are so beautiful and extravagant and your buildings scrape the sky. How about your service, though? And we do that. You walk into a bar in Atlanta, you instantly feel comfortable you're instantly nestled in a hug well well not anymore but you're nah, feeling let's, let's you're get fe- back to hugging you're feeling you're feeling welcomed and that's one of our first and foremost that's one of our focuses to let you feel welcome once you feel welcomed you're a little vulnerable and now that you're a little vulnerable i can give you what you want we want to ask you we want to nurture you we want to serve you and so i i'm so proud to be in the south and be amongst other southern bartenders who are we're bred to be kind. We want to be kind because once we're kind, you either have to be kind back to us or we kick you out. <laughs> <laughs> but all that said, and, and I would agree with you, Southern hospitality, all of that, there's a there's something that you want to go to that place because that's what you're going to receive and that's how you're going to be treated. But you've got to put quality in the glass. 
Yes. You've got to be creating something that people are going to rave about and not only you know tell their friends, but go back. So eight, eight bartenders highlighted must be doing something with their shaker or with it's their the strainer, gra- it, right? It's, it's the grassroots. You know, we, this part of the, this region is known for uh, local ingredients, grass to glass. We're not used to gastronomy and uh, man-made ingredients. We're used to stepping outside in the backyard of the porch, the garden, grabbing it, throwing the glass, muddling it, shaking it, juicing it. That's just what we've been used to. It's in our, it's in our bloodstream. It's the grassroots of making, making cocktails. And I, I'm of course biased to it because I'm from the South, but that's where we win. We make it simple and we make it not quite organic, but it's definitely grass to glass for sure. Tiffany is planning, you're planning a cocktail party and you've got some friends coming over. What do you, what, what, what three cocktails are you going to make that are just going to knock people's socks off? There is a bee's knees uh, served. It's batched because I'm not shaking all day, but a bee's knees got to have a good gin cocktail with some good local honey and some lemon juice. I may throw a fun bitters in there just to give us some, some fun flavor. That's that tartness. That'll be our lemonade. That'll be something cool for lemonade. Um, for my third and boozy folks, we're drinking rum or we're drinking tequila or mezcal, probably in the old fashioned form, mezcal old fashions, reposado old fashions, rum old fashions, because I like it like that. And I'm most likely drinking champagne. I love a good bottle of champagne. It just works. Um, and we may be topping that maybe the champagne cocktail. We may put a little bit of bitters in there with the sugar cube and do a nice champagne cocktail. But uh, that's at my house all the time. Now my mouth is watering for all that. <laughs> Have you had any mead experiences? Because we've talked a lot about a lot of things. And you mentioned the bees, knees and the honey. You doing cocktails with mead and and you know, that's for Dawn and I, that's one of our favorite things. We found a, a great meadery in Richmond, Blackheath Meadery. You said tomatoes. They make two different meads with tomatoes. They, they infuse the mead with tomatoes. And uh, we haven't opened those bottles, but we've had that before. So I don't know if that's something that you've experienced. Yeah, only once. I was given mead a few years ago to, to goof off with. Uh, we only had a small producer here that was a small distributor here that could give it to us at uh, One Flu South for a program. And I was trying to incorporate it in the program, but it just didn't work out. It just, there's not enough here in the city. And being, being that is a, a a bad part about being in the South, we don't always get that fun stuff around. You have to really get that outsourced. And when you do it, it has to come in the masses. So I haven't had that yet to just experiment with, but it's on my list. All right. Next time you're in Richmond and I I really feel bad because there's a meadery outside of um, Atlanta that is amazing. And I can't remember the name. So I'm please share. Oh, I'm just like stuck on that. Um, Uh, but uh, they make really nice meat as well. So, I mean, it's just one of those other things as you talk about, these are all these different ingredients and how do you start to incorporate those and just change people's perceptions of cocktails and things of that nature. What does this year, I mean, I don't know if you're a goal planner, I don't know if you're a vision setter, but what does, if we're, it's, it's December 31st, they're about to drop the ball. And into 2023, what did you accomplish this year? What What are some of the things on your list that you want to achieve? I want to be documented. Um, I can't reiterate enough what it's like to be documented, whether it's on a podcast, a magazine, television, the tube. 
it's just not seen enough. You know, it's great to know. And the example was CiderCon was amazing. And I got on the stage and I did what I did. And you could say, I saw Tiffany Berrier do this thing at CiderCon. And someone would go, what? Cool. Where can I see it? You know, where, how do we know that I was there? And so being recorded is important for me so that years from now, someone can say, I want to hear what she said that day. I want to hear what Rich said that day. You're doing it right now with your program. I just kept saying, wow, why don't I know this? Holy cow, (laughs) why don't I know this? I want to be documented more. And so the goals, I don't make a lot of them because ill, but I do do daydream a lot and daydreams do come true. Um, But being documented so that I can be seen as the years come and, hear my own self or pass it down and say, I don't know. Hey, Minty, here's a clip of what I said that day. Do your thing or be in someone's classroom. Who knows? So being documented is my my goal. Where can people find you making cocktails right now? At home. At home. Are you giving away your address or what? Yeah, it's eight. No, uh, so yeah, home is where it's at right now. Rich, I have gone completely virtual and it's been beyond my wildest uh, imagination. I'm able to touch everyone from across the world more than I ever could when I was at One Flew South from touching the world or at any bar. People can literally log on and say, hey, Tiffany, can we do a cocktail class? Hey, can we chat about something? I put very quickly on my uh, Instagram and my website. I'm very approachable. As shy as I am, I'm still approachable. And so if you want to make some cocktails with me, I'm always like slide in the DM or, you know, email me and let's set up a time. Let's make cocktails with you and your boo, your family, your, your, your corporation. I had a, a conference last night with 320 people from Lockheed Martin. Amazing. It was outstanding, but I was just making cocktails with them. And that's right now, that's the safe place for me to touch a lot of lives and Shake some drinks. Is there, God Pardon bless me. you, is there, uh, again, <laughs> will there be, will there be uh, Tiffany Berrier's bar at any point in the future? Is that something you would love to do? I don't know. Sometimes. Okay. Um, I, I can't say I'm never approached with it. I'm approached with it about every year about what I'd like to do. Um, how I want to leave my mark in the world. And I don't know if having a bar. You're already, the how is part is life. you're already doing it. But I, I don't, I don't know if having a bar is leaving your mark in the world. So I, I, I don't know. Every time I get excited, you go, Ooh, maybe I'll open a bar. I, I don't really know, but I, I do have some ideas of opening a liquor store. Exciting. Um, See, you've heard it here. Is this a scoop? On <laughs> this, the is a scoop. Adventure podcast? this is a scoop. This is a scoop. All right. Good. <laughs> Inside All right. edition. All right. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Tiffany, I, I literally, your personality, your energy, and we were going to talk about energy. Did we not for, we, what was there something you wanted to mention about energy? Uh, you know, I, we have a feel, we have senses, sight, see, smell, taste, touch, but feel is a different thing that people really don't speak on because they think feel a touch comes with your hands, but sometimes something comes across to you and you're like, Ooh, that was good. Or, wow, that feels different. Or I'm gravitated to something. Or you push back. And that is an energy that I've known very well. Um, I'm intuitive. I think I, I, I know that I attract what's what I what I can handle. And I know I can push away just that. So when anyone says to me what you said, you have great energy. I say to myself, there's something about them, too, that has just as great energy. Because energy sees energy. 
Like, I truly there's a million people. There's a million people in the grocery store, but there's that one person you look at and you kind of nod your head at, or you you do the eye smile, or you smile, or you just let them pass, or you just say hi. You know, that's energy, and um, I'm happy that I have it. And I'm very flattered when someone says you've got good energy, and I think so. Do you? Because you saw me. Because I can see you. The world is blessed because you're in it, and. <sighs> The things that you're doing, the people you're touching, the education you're bringing to people, you know, that, that's, that's where I feel that's the story you're, you touched on the fact that you want to leave your mark. You want to be known. And as you tell people stories, you get to be the storyteller and people remember the storyteller and people remember, you know, it's, it's not what you said. It's how you made them feel. And that's what you do. So I'm grateful for, I know we don't have all day, but when you're in the Philly area or if we get back down to Atlanta or sometime, uh, the cocktail experience I'd love to have with you directly. I, I can't thank you enough to take, for taking the time to be on the podcast and uh, social media wise, where do people find you? The drinking at the drinking coach, right? At the drinking coach all over the place. Um, <laughs> she's all over the place. All over and, the place. and website is the drinking the coach. Drinking com. Yeah. yeah. Don't leave off that.com because then they'll go to like dot bar or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Or org. Thank you so much. Look for Tiffany making cocktails in her home. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. And again, see you in person. And, and, and I can't wait for that hug. Remember go. we're dopeness. Remember we're, we're dopeness. That's how we met. We're dopeness. That's how we, that's how we met. A pleasure, Rich. Thanks, Tiffany.